The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WUNKV, Maple Rock Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Vena Jones Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And if you're tuning in, and even if you're not a real estate investor per se, but you have a house that you kind of need to sell in a bad way, you want to stay tuned. Because I'm talking today to Wendy Patton, who is one of the country's foremost experts on selling houses using lease options. And you're going to want to hear all about that. Before we get to Wendy, got just a couple of quick announcements to make. The Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow evening. That's Thursday, of course. Uh, at the usual location, the Community Action Center at Swifton Commons, corner of Reading and Seymour, about, oh, I don't know, three quarters of a mile off of I-75 at the Seymour exit. The meeting topic is how to invest in 2009. We've got a panel of experts, all of whom are very successful in their fields, which include creative finance, rehab, rentals, uh, gosh, private financing, uh, just years and years and years of experience represented in this panel. And they're going to discuss uh, what they think the hottest investments are, the hottest strategies are in 2009. And of course, take your questions as well. That meeting is, as always, open to the public. And as always, you can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com, or by calling 859-292-7342. Bacon, as it turns out, is not trembling in fear of real-life real estate because it still has more fans than real-life real estate. Yes, I'm talking about the breakfast meat. Don't look at me like that, Mike. Bacon now has the number one fan site on Facebook. And don't, don't drool. Real-life real estate is better than bacon. Mike, try a real-life real estate tomato and lettuce sandwich and tell me that it's not better. Yes, Bacon reached 100,000 fans this week. Real Life Real Estate reached 140. But you can help correct this travesty by going to realliferealestateradio.com and becoming a fan of Real Life Real Estate. And as your reward, we're going to give you something that Bacon never could. 100 downloadable shows. 100 brilliant one-hour interviews from Real Life Real Estate. Over the last few years, you can download them at no charge, of course, there at realliferealestateradio.com. And just be sure and become a fan because this the, the world is upside down when bacon is more popular than this program. I just don't know what to say. I, I, I come back here week after week and people keep becoming fans of bacon. I Maybe I'm doing the bacon thing. Maybe there are 100,000 fans of bacon because of me. Because people are misunderstanding the message and they're saying, I need to go become a fan of bacon. Who's a fan of bacon, for heaven's sakes? RealLifeRealEstateRadio.com. My guest today is Wendy Patton. Wendy has nearly 20 years experience in the real estate investing world, much of it in buying and selling houses on lease option, which is, of course, a newly hot topic at been around for a long time. It was a hot topic when I first got into real estate in the late 1980s. And 
now, of course, is having a resurgence as the market has slowed. Folks are having a hard time getting financing. Uh, Wendy is the author of not one but two new books coming out uh, on the bookshelves here very, very shortly. And this seemed like a good time to grab her up and let her explain to us today how to sell our houses quickly and easily on lease option. Wendy, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Nina, thank you. I hope I can compete with Bacon tonight a little bit, too. <laughs> I know. I know. They've got, you know, two two queens of real estate here, and they're probably still thinking about Bacon. Yeah, It's crazy. Yep. It's just crazy. So, uh, Wendy, first of all, um, as as I mentioned, you have two new books coming yeah. out. Um, one one really kind of about how to, what, sell houses on lease option. Right, one one on selling on options and one on buying on options. Just because so much has gone on, and as everyone knows listening, you know, the industry has just tanked. The real estate market has tanked. In Michigan, for instance, where I live, uh, there are nine homes on the market for every one buyer. So what are the other eight sellers going to do? So I wrote this book um, called Rent to Sell that was going to help the sellers figure out what to do, Bina, because they can't just sit on, unless they're in foreclosure, which many of them are as well, we know. But the ones that are not in foreclosure, what are they going to do? And they've got to have a solution. Mm-hmm. And buyers, the mortgage industry has changed so significantly. Even buyers now are finding it very difficult to qualify for a mortgage. I mean, look at what's happened to us real estate investors. Mm-hmm. My gosh, you can only get four of them now. We've got to put 20% down, and we've actually got to give a tax return to do it. No more stated <laughs> income. So everything has changed. And it's really going to affect the the uh, real estate industry. So I think these books are really timely. I'm really excited about them. Mm-hmm. And and again, I just I I, I want to say to to folks out there who maybe haven't been around the real estate business as long as as you and I have, that although this is something that they're going to hear a lot about, I mean I'm I'm getting I'm getting contacts from like major media wanting to know you know how, what is this whole lease option thing? Is this new? It's like. No, I mean this. Oh. <laughs> this is this has been around for a long, long time. Uh, the reason for the resurgence is exactly what you said. It's a way for people to sell houses to buyers who can't meet the extremely stringent qualifications that it takes right now to get a typical loan. So, this isn't something Wendy invented. Isn't something Vina invented. It's been around a long time before us. It's just sort of being rediscovered, if you will. Exactly. It's just become to the forefront right now because there are so many sellers who need a solution and real estate agents need something different. Besides short sales, you know, it's just not enough qualified buyers out there. So they've got to be creative and do some different things to mm-hmm. move their inventory. Mm-hmm. Well, for, for those folks who, who might be sort of new to this concept, um, just give us like the brief sketch of what a lease option is. Okay, lease option, uh, and, and commonly, a lot of times I'll call it a rent-to-own because a lot of the general public at least will consider it more of a rent-to-own. So it kind of depends if you're an investor, more like a lease option, if you're a general public, kind of a rent-to-own type of thing. But what that really means is that the buyer of a home is renting it first with the right to purchase it during a rental time period or during the option time period. And so that time period could be, you know, it could be six months. It could be... 60 years. I mean, it's really all negotiable between the buyer and the seller, but it's a time period which that buyer has the right to buy that, that home, but they're renting it in the meantime. Mm-hmm. That's what a lease option is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for, for the, for the, we're, we're going to spend most of the hour here talking about how it works from the sell side, because most of our listeners are real estate investors or people who own homes, and we certainly want to let them know 
what they're going to have to do to make this successful. Uh, but from the buyer side, what is the what? How does this work, and what's the big advantage of it? Well, from the buyer side, there are many buyers right now who just can't qualify for a mortgage today. The most um, common reason is because of credit issues. You know, maybe they've gone through a foreclosure and they need to have credit repair, time to reestablish buy again. They might have lost their job, didn't have enough money, medical issues, that type of thing. Usually it's credit, but also now because of the mortgage industry, we're seeing a lot of buyers that have perfect credit, but they've relocated. Maybe they've moved from San Diego to Cincinnati. Their old home hasn't sold yet, and until that sells, they don't qualify now for a new home. It used to be very easy, just like us investors, to get a second mortgage. Well, now it's a lot more stringent, and many people don't qualify. So until that old home sells, many times they need to buy. So there's a lot of reasons for buyers to be out there looking for these options now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, just to be clear, and, and, and again, we're going to spend most of the time talking about the, uh, talking about this from the sell side, Uh when a buyer in a lease option pays his option fee, which we'll explain later, signs his lease, signs his option, and moves into the property, he is, in fact, renting the property. It's not It's not that I've now bought myself a house, even though I, you know, I'm making monthly payments as if it were a mortgage. Uh, it is not a sale. And right. It's not like a land contract. It is truly a rental with the right to buy. Mm-hmm. And and as a result, and I think this is probably another real attractive thing about it to buyers right now, it, it, the the option is all on the buyer side. In other words, a, a lot of buyers who maybe could qualify, or at least this is what I'm hearing from my realtor friends, a lot of buyers who could qualify are hesitating to even try to do anything because they're afraid that the market's going to continue to drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. And they're afraid they're going to buy you know a house that five years ago was worth 150 and now they can get it for 110 which seems like a great deal but they're afraid in two years it's only going to be worth 100 so this is a really good way for a buyer who's in that position who understands the advantages of home ownership they found the house they like but they're not willing to sort of roll the dice that the market's going to recover which it is but they're not willing to roll those dice right uh to move in now to live in the house they want now exactly the same thing for us investors you know it's kind of the same thing well when you buy a property using an option as an investor, if the market did tank, you're in a very safe position because you don't have to exercise. Whereas all the other strategies, you know, if you own it, you're in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter what happens to it. So you're right. There are some buyers that are kind of in the wait and see mode, which, you know, also puts them in a little bit of a power position right now. There's some great deals out there. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things as a buyer you can agree on with the seller, negotiate, especially as, you know, like, of course I do it from an investor perspective, but I help buyers as well. And, there's so many things that you can negotiate with the seller to really get a good deal. I mean, you can negotiate the price, you can negotiate the length of time, how much those monthly payments are, where you can't go negotiate that with the bank. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, bank, you know, I only want to pay you $1,000 a month for this $200,000 home. Well, you know, sorry, it's going to be based on the interest rate. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. But with a lease option or rent-to-own, you can negotiate that with the seller, that monthly payment. So there's some really things, some really great things that buyers can do to make the deal really great for them. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Wendy Patton. We're talking about how to rent to own properties, and we're taking your phone calls and emails. You can call us at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email via askvina at gmail.com. Hey, kids, it's Mr. Drew. Do you want to know more about real estate investing and hear about upcoming events? Check out Vina's website at realliferealestate.com. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Wendy Patton, one of the other wild, wonderful women of real estate. Just a handful of female gurus around the country, and Wendy's probably been out there as long as any of them. A lot of experience, a lot of uh, different things she's been into over the years, but uh, coming back now to her very first love, which is lease options. She's the author of the new book, Rent to Sell, and we're talking today about how you can um, sell your property that you can't quite seem to get rid of to a qualified retail buyer, since there aren't that many qualified retail buyers out there anymore. Um, get your payments covered. Maybe if you work your, if you, if you play your cards right, even make a little bit of profit, plus make some money at the end of the deal. And and Wendy, I know that one of the things you like to emphasize about selling houses on lease option or rent to own is that from the seller standpoint, there's actually three paydays that are occurring. You know, when you, when you sell a house, you get one check and it's all over with and, you know, hopefully you're happy with it. You walk away. But with lease options, you get three different paydays. Exactly. Yeah, you get the money up front as the option fee that you get from your buyer. Um, and then you also get your monthly cash flow, the difference between your payment and whatever the tenant is paying you. Hopefully it's more than your payment. That's the goal here. And then, of course, the difference between what you bought it for, what you sold it for, what you owe on that property at the end. So in the beginning, all along, and at the or in the beginning, all along, and at the end of, of the deal as well, you get paid. Mm-hmm. And the we're really, you know, sort of, sort of trying to, to talk to, to two different sets of people out there. All right. Because a lot of folks like, like I know you do and I do, and many, many, many investors intentionally start out a deal. In other words, before they even buy it, their intention is to set it up to be a profitable lease option. And they're look depending on what part of the country they're in and what price range and what the rents are, they're looking to make twenty, twenty-five, fifty thousand dollars by buying a property cheaply, financing it in such a way that they can get cash flow every month, and then, of course, selling it for market price after the end of some period of time. And that's a, 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 a great strategy in and of itself. But we've also got all these people now who, as you said, they, they used to live in San Diego, and now they live in Kansas City, and their house in San Diego isn't selling, and they're eating that mortgage payment month after month after month. So this really is something that they ought to look at, too. It may not be a huge, quote, moneymaker for them because they didn't set the deal up this way to begin with, but gets the payments covered, gets the house occupied. (laughs) Or even if much of the payments covered, because sometimes being that their payment's too high and the the tenant buyer may not pay quite as much as their payment, but gosh, if it's sitting vacant, they've got the entire payment they're eating plus utilities every single month while that house is on the market. So for some of them, it's, it's just the only thing that they can consider doing. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about. I mean, we've been throwing some terms around here that you know are, are kind of jargony. People in the real estate business are going to understand them, but but not everybody does. Um, the, the 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 pieces of uh, at least option is a contract. I mean, it's a it's a lease, and it's an option to buy, and it has pieces to it. Pieces that you have to fit together to to make sure the deal is going to work for everyone. One that you keep mentioning is option fee. Right. You want me to explain what that is? Yes, the please. Option fee is is the amount of money that a buyer puts down to have the right to purchase that property. Now, from an investor perspective, it doesn't necessarily have to be any monetary value. There's, you know, because you are signing a rental agreement, which is a promise to pay. But that the option fee 
is what gives the buyer the right to purchase that property. And so, and just so most of you understand too, what you're going to probably get is maybe not as much as you think. Most investors and most real estate agents think that, you know, they're going to get 10% down for an option fee. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, if you get 10% down, you just better thank your lucky stars. But in general, in a buyer's market, which is where most of the country is right now, you're probably only going to get 1% to 2% of the purchase price. So if your purchase price is $100,000 or your sales price, you're probably going to get between $1,000 and $2,000. That's about what the market will bear in most places of the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that gives them the right to buy. Now, that gets credited later towards buying it, but if they choose not to buy the property, you get to keep that. No matter what, you get to keep that. So from day one, when you get that money, it's not like a security deposit where it's not yours and you have to put it in a separate account. You get to keep that option fee and you can spend it or do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. You just have got, got to credit. Usually, usually you credit it later when they purchase the property, and that's how I do my options. Mm-hmm. I like to give them credit for that. Mm-hmm. So if, if they were buying the property for, if this buyer was buying the property at, a, at an option price of 198 and they gave you 3000 down, they'd actually only owe you 195 by the time. Yeah. Uh, by the time it rolled around. And I need to say for our Cincinnati listeners that there is a um, um, restriction on that in the city of Cincinnati uh, that says that the most you can collect upfront in an option for an option fee is one and a half times the monthly rent. So, um, uh, cause I know we're going to get some calls about that. Uh, but um, yeah, my, my opinion and, and Wendy, you can agree or disagree, <coughs> excuse me, is that, you should get some kind of option fee. I mean, getting 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 nothing doesn't really, f- from the perspective of the seller, have the advantage of having the buyer have something to lose by not exercising the option. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're the buyer and you're doing it as an investment, <laughs> you, you really don't want to put anything down if you don't have to. But as a seller, you absolutely want to get as much as possible down. Mm-hmm. So if they do have 5% or 10% or you know, X dollars, you want to get as much of that as possible down because then the more that you get your buyer to pay, put down, the more likely they'll exercise, except like you said, where there's, you know, law where you can't accept more than a certain amount, like mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. But that's one of the, that's the only place I know of in the country that has a limit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, yeah, we should probably also say for our, our, our listeners in Texas, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> they need to take a real close look at the Texas state laws regarding uh, uh, the, the sale of properties on lease options because there are some um, fairly str- stringent requirements uh, regarding disclosure and the way the contracts have to be written and so on. So warning, warning to those of you in Texas. Uh, speaking of which, if you have a question about lease options, give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email to askvena at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com and we'll take care of those questions for you. Um, Wendy, another thing that we keep kind of throwing around without really explaining it is this idea of the option period. What is that? The option period is the time period when the buyer has the right to purchase that home. So it could be, it could be a month, it could be five days, and it could be many years. It's all negotiable between the buyer and seller, but that's the only time when the buyer has the right to purchase that home. So when the option period expires, it's not that the buyer couldn't purchase the home if the seller agrees, but the seller doesn't have to agree at that point. Um, the, what, what, it, what in your opinion and experience is sort of the best option period right now? Because to, to, what, what we need to happen, we, we know going in that our buyer is not going to have perfect credit. If he had perfect right. credit, he'd buy a house. 
Yeah, usually yes. Yeah, yeah. So so we need we need him to be able to have time to repair any credit that credit problems that he might have, maybe to get more time on the job, maybe to save a down payment. What is a realistic time frame for that? Well, for most buyers, and this is what when I'm the seller, I want my buyer to have between 12 and 18 months. That's how long I give them. And of course, being in the Midwest, I base my 12 to 18 months based on the time period that I want it back if they don't exercise. So in other words, if it's October <laughs> and they're starting the option with me, I don't want it back in October if they choose not to buy. I want it back in the spring, mm-hmm. so I would give them 18 months. If we're starting it in the spring, then I would give them 12 months because I'd want it back in the spring if they choose not to purchase that property. So 12 to 18 months is enough for most people to get their credit repaired. There's so many, there's some really, I, I require my tenant buyers to go through credit repair if that's their issue. Matter of fact, I take the money out of their option fee and I put them in credit repair now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, you probably don't even know that because I didn't used to know of any really good credit repair companies, but, you know, they're popping up all over and there's some really legitimate good ones out there now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I do require that my tenants go through credit repair. A lot of credit repair companies can get a lot of things off there, especially especially mistakes or errors of postings and things like that. Some of them even can get bankruptcies and foreclosures off of there if they're done, you know, posted improperly. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Wendy Patton. We're talking about selling your property using a rent-to-own or lease option. And welcome your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or go to askvina at gmail.com. It's Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Wendy Patton, author of Rent to Sell. We're talking about how to rent to sell. Lease options. Tried and true strategy. Great one for real estate investors to plan right from the very beginning because, my gosh, what you can buy houses for these days and what you can sell them for, the profit potential is humongous. Also a great strategy for folks who are trying to figure out just how to not keep making payments on an empty house because getting somebody in who plans to buy is a whole lot different experience usually than getting somebody in who plans to rent. Have you found that to be your experience, Wendy? Yeah, really having a tenant buyer is a lot better than a tenant because they have the mentality of being a future homeowner of your house. And that's what I always say to my sellers when I'm buying from them on an option. They say, well, I don't want tenants in my house. And I say, I'm not putting tenants in your house. I'm putting a future home buyer in your home because there really is a different feeling for that type of person, Avina, than just someone who's going to rent your property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, there's not have a stake in it, you know. And plus, they have something to lose if they don't purchase it. Right, right. That upfront fee, yeah, option fee. Yeah. Uh, l- let's talk about two other sort of technicalities about this whole contract thing. Uh, there, there, there are two sort of important numbers that we haven't covered. We talked about the option fee and how much that's likely to be. We talked talked about the option period and how long that ought to be. Uh, setting the rent and the price is a difficult process for folks who haven't done this before. Like, so if my house is worth $100,000 a day, but the buyer isn't buying it for a year, how much do I say that they owe me in a year? Well, what I do, Vina, to figure out the price is because, first of all, there's Anytime you offer any kind of real estate on terms, which what a lease option is, it's terms for your buyer, they're willing to pay a little bit of a premium for that. So it is worth a little bit more than today's current value, you know, probably 5% more. So, you know, maybe a $100,000 home is worth one hundred and five dollars if you offer terms. 
Mm-hmm. However, then you got to subtract if if you have depreciation in your market as well. So it's kind of, I add on for the pre, what I call the premium, and then I take away any kind of depreciation or add appreciation if there is for that year or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been many years where uh, many markets in the country had double-digit appreciation. I mean, my market for sure for my first 15 years of investing had between 8 and 12% appreciation every year. So I had a very different number I'd put in there than what I did put in there today where I live. <laughs> so you're going to that's how I would figure out the price. Mm-hmm. But the so base it, price you have to figure out, you know, from comparables. People always ask me, "Well, I go to Zillow and I, I can't even remember all the other sites, Vina, because I'm not I don't use those." Being a real estate agent has really helped me because I can go into the MLS and I get the real comparables and that's the data that you want to use. So if you're not an agent, you need to work with an agent or have someone get you the comparables so you know what properties have actually sold for and sold for recently. That's where your kind of your your sales price is going to start with. And I'm assuming this we're talking about what you're going to sell it for to your tenant buyer. So what are you going to rent it for? Well, I have found that, you know, in a, in a hot market, you may be able to rent it for a little bit above retail rent. Um, in a buyer's market, though, pretty much market rent is where you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And so there are ways to get a little bit more rent, but advertising, let's say the rental rate for the $100,000 home is on average $800 a month, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Well, if I, if I really want 900 if I advertise 900 most people aren't going to respond because it's above market rent. But if I advertise it for 800 there are ways for me to go ahead and get 900 once I get my tenant buyer in there. There's some incentives I could offer them. I could say, you know, hey, how would you like to make 50% on your money? And they say, well, yeah, how would I do that? And I said, well, if you're able to pay an extra $100 a month, so instead of $800, you're going to be paying $900, I'll give you the $100 a month credit plus an extra 50%. So I'm going to give you 150 credit. How does that sound to you? Mm-hmm. Almost all of my buyers will go for that if they can afford that extra jump. What it does for you is it gives you that extra cash flow that you wouldn't get by advertising it that way, but it gives your tenant buyer extra credits that they're building up so they have more to kind of put down or use when they get that mortgage on your property. And that helps you as well. Mm-hmm. But if they decide not to buy, you got to keep that $900 a month. So in that case, what you're saying is that um, uh, you gave an example of $150 a month rent credit. That, that means that each month that the tenant pays the rent, of course, on time and in full, uh, he's actually buying $150 off of his purchase price. Yes, thank you, Vina. Yeah, that's that's um, you know, if you, if you've ever looked at the amortization on a mortgage, you don't get that kind of credit <laughs> from from the bank when you buy a house. So that's a really good deal, um, actually. And we just got a an email from Ken, our our buddy Ken, you know Ken Edmonds in California, who yes. uh, about the uh, rent credit. He says, in a buyer's market, is it wise to give tenant buyers monthly rent credit uh, toward their purchase prices? for the purchase price, and is it wise in a seller's market also? Well, in a seller's market, you don't have to give away as much uh, of anything. Um, in a buyer's market, you, you might want to give away more, especially in a time when mortgages are really difficult to get. Buyers need to have a little bit more down, a little bit more stability for you know their history of buying with you. So I think that it is good to give some option credits. Um, in today's market. Now, of course, I've got to state right here on the, uh, you know, on this call that Ken lives in California. That Now, California is like a different country. So let's just, <laughs> now, California is very, very pro-tenant, and you have to be a little bit more careful in California. Um, as long as it's done right, you can be okay in most cases, but it, it is very pro-tenant. 
you know, they're more likely to say, you know, it takes six months to, I think, evict anyone anyways out there. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and of course, you know, we should, we should always give the, give the warning that, um, any strategy that you hear about on real life real estate or any place else, you, you, you need to go to your local real estate association and find out if there's any special rules that might affect the way uh, you want to do things. These these strategies pretty much work across the board across the country, just in different ways. Uh, Wendy, you'll enjoy this. Ken sent a second email saying that beyond his wife, the two of us are his favorite ladies in the entire world. Thanks, Ken. That's awesome. Well, you know, um, back to that California thing, you're right. You know, you really have to check it. Like, for instance, in California, I have a special clause for my students that are in California that was drafted by a California attorney just to make sure that that it's done properly with the way that you give credit so it doesn't become, you know, what we call equitable interest, which we probably won't get to, into too much here. It, well, I should. I guess i got to say now what that means, right? <laughs> um, equitable interest is when you give someone too much equity in the property or a judge might consider that they have equity in the property, and in which case then instead of, you know, just evicting them if they didn't pay, you may have to go through a foreclosure proceeding to get them out. The judge may say, well, you know, it really wasn't a rental. It was a uh-huh. purchase. Uh-huh. He just called it a rental. And in California, they tend to sway more that way is what I was going to say overall. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, but in so- the Midwest, it's, 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 it's pretty rare. I mean, it can happen, you know, any kind of even eviction, you know, Vina, is up to a judge in general. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> they can do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for the most part, I find that at least where I am, it's, it's very fair. Seven seven two nine. Sorry, <laughs> I mean to interrupt you. Seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight are the numbers here in the studio. You can also send us an email like Ken did. Uh, yes, and tell tell us where your two favorite ladies in the world while you're at it at uh, askvena at gmail dot com. A s k v e n a at gmail dot com. Um, okay, so so Wendy, we've kind of I think got at least the the, the sketch of of how the the deal is arranged. Uh, there's, we, we decide on an option fee. We decide on a price. We decide on a rent. We put it out there in front of people and see how they like it. Cause we can always adjust right. those things later. Right. If people are saying the rent's too high or too low uh, or whatever. Know, I we could... If I, if you know, I put that stuff out on Craigslist and if, if I don't get any calls then I know my ad's not written well or I'm asking too much. Mm-hmm. It's one of the two things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and you've got to drop it until you get some calls in there on your on your house, and that's what I, that's the, one of the biggest issues that real estate investors have right now selling their properties or sellers. You know, they think they're going to get more than what the market will bear, and so they wonder why they don't get any calls at all. And I, I can almost always say the reason you're not getting those calls is your the terms you're asking for, meaning you're asking too much down for the option fee, you're asking too much a month. It's usually not the price. It's not the purchase price. So that's the place that you want to give last on your purchase price. If you're trying to sell your property, you'd, it'd be better to get them in and get them in even to bring them up to a higher amount like I discussed with giving them a little bit of that option credit. That's going to be a better way to get them into your property and see it than just by putting it out there at a higher price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just, 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 look at, just make sure you also that you look around and see what the competition is in terms of, of the monthly payment. I mean, you don't just like randomly decide, I want $2,000 a month for this rental. You, you look in the paper and on Craigslist and so on and see what other folks are asking. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll tell you something, Wendy, that I, in, in, in sharing stuff that, you know, we, we, we see each other once a year or so and, and are not always completely up to date on which, what each other's doing. But um, when I offer a property now, either rent or rent to own, when I say you can do it either way, 
my right. rent to own payment is lower than the rent payment. If 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 I want if I want nine ninety five a month rent, I might only be asking nine forty five or nine twenty five for the rent to own because I would rather have the upfront. Rent to own. Yeah, you know, right. sometimes I've done that too. But you know, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you just want to rent it? Oh, well, that's nine ninety five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, the ad said nine forty five because that was for a rent to own. Yeah. Well, well, we'll even put it in at both prices. We'll say. Rent mm-hmm. nine ninety five, rent to own nine forty five, and you know get great idea. get people like thinking that. about, you know, what do I want to buy this house? Would I rather get into an arrangement like this? Because th- there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, potential rent to own buyers out there who don't even understand what a rent to own is, and and if you can get them on the phone and sort of explain it to them and explain the benefits, yes. a lot of times they go, ah, that's perfect, that's exactly up. I, I had no idea you could do this. So yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, and you want to put some things in your ads that might attract them. Things like. Poor credit, okay. Bad credit, you know, call me. You know, because a lot of people aren't going to feel like they can't buy a home if they don't have perfect credit. So I'll sometimes throw those types of words into my ads. Poor credit, bad credit, no problem. We can help you. Call us. Buy your first home today. Nine ninety five a month or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Low down, get you in. Mm-hmm. You know, something enticing to get them to call you because you're right. If you can get them on the phone and talk to them about how a rent-to-own works, it's going to be a lot better than putting in your ad. Uh, that's another mistake a lot of people make. They'll put too much in their ad. You know, nine ninety five a month will give you three hundred option credit, five thousand dollars down. People are like, they don't know what that means. <laughs> exactly. We're just trying to get the phone call here. We're not trying to, to write a to write a book in our in our ads. Like it's expensive anyway. Uh, keep it keep it simple. Is what I say. Keep it really simple in the ad. Draw them in. And I don't even. A lot of times I accept. Okay, ten years ago when the market was really hot for me. I would put in there the option fee because I didn't want them calling if they didn't have that much. I, I would get 100 calls on an ad. I mean, 100 every single time I put an ad in the paper. Well, now, you know, I'm going to get 10. And I'm going to, okay, okay, what, what else can I help you with? Yeah, oh, can I go show it to you now? I mean, very different because you don't get the kind of calls you used to get mm-hmm. in a buyer's market. Um, Wendy, what, what kinds of houses do you find work best for rent to own? I mean, how many, how many bedrooms, what amenities, what price range, all of that sort of stuff? Personally, for, for my investment portfolios, I like at least three bedrooms. Uh, I'm in the Midwest, so I like I like a basement. I like a garage, if possible to have both. Uh, that's the you know a bread and butter house that most people want. The things that are hard for me to sell um, on, on an option or anyway, even if I decide because you always want to look at your exit strategy. If I buy this three bedroom home that everybody likes, even if I never sell it to my tenant buyer, if I want to sell it outright on the retail market what's going to sell. So the two bedrooms, no basement, no garage are difficult for me to sell. Mm-hmm. Those are, those are difficult to rent. Mm-hmm. You know, so think about what do people really want? So that's what I go with, with layout. Typically I like the, around the average price point, medium price point of your area. So if it happens to be, you know, a hundred thousand, you know, I probably would like between, you know, 80 and or 90, maybe even to 110, 120, a little bit below is okay. And a little bit above, but when you get into that price range, your tenant buyers are more likely to exercise because that's where they become home buyers. If they're in, and I have a lot of properties that are, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars. Well, those aren't my home buyers; those are my tenants. Mm-hmm. And I could do an option on those, and some of them would like to do an option, but I already know they'll never exercise, mm-hmm. and and they're tenants. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the percentage goes down drastically the lower price point that you have, and it goes up the higher price point, but I don't like messing with the million-dollar homes. 
unless you're in California like Ken. It's a, it's a, it's a little hard to make those cash flow when you've got a, you know, ten thousand dollar a month mortgage payment. And you can only rent the house for five thousand dollars a month. You know, but if you can option it from the seller vena for four grand and rent it out for five, now you got some money. But the problem is that one month where your tenant buyer doesn't pay you on time. Mm-hmm. Now you got to, you know, fork over that four grand to your seller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I always tell my students, I don't, I don't like that because I don't want that kind of, you know, risk on my plate every month. Mm-hmm. So only do an option on what you can afford to carry if they didn't pay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very wise advice. You're listening, yeah. to, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. In the last 10 minutes of the show now, if you have a question about rent-to-own, uh, give us a call because Wendy is the expert, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest is Wendy Patton. She is the author of Rent to Sell, amongst actually many other books. This isn't the only one you're going to see on the shelf from Wendy, but this is the most recent one. Um, Wendy, I want to I have a conversation about like a really, really important factor in whether this whole thing is going to work out the way we want to as sellers, and that is picking the right buyer. And I, I don't mean that in like a, you know, we're looking for a, a 30-year-old couple with 2.5 kids. I mean, we got we to gotta find out some things about our buyers other than just that they have the deposit in hand and that they really like the house. Well, if they have double the deposit, I'll take them anyways. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't take her seriously. <laughs> Bitter if I was desperate. No, I'm kidding. Um, what... You know, really what you want to look for is that they do have that, that money down or, that you know, a lot of times if they're the right person, Vina, let's say they have decent credit, they're not far off from getting a mortgage, but they have a couple of blips. That's kind of who I'm looking for. I'm looking for the person who, if it's a credit issue, okay, which most of them are, and I'm assuming it's not that person who, you know, hasn't sold their old home because they're easy, you just got to wait till their house sells. But the, the person that doesn't have the good credit, what I'm looking for is someone had a blip in their life, they've hit bottom financially, but they're on their way back up. I'm not looking for the deadbeat who's had bad credit their whole life. Okay, that is not who's going to be able to buy a house because they're not going to change in 12 months for you. What you want is someone who maybe went through a divorce and you can see when it happened and that their credit did get affected at that time and now it is being improved. They have repaired or started to repair whatever caused the problem. So credit is one thing I look at. I don't look at credit scores. I don't care about the credit score other than, yeah, if it's close to what I think can get a mortgage, that's a good thing. But sometimes the credit score is, is pretty low because of a bank, a recent bankruptcy or fairly recent or one little thing on there, or a mistake. You know, so I don't totally judge on a credit score. But I do want to make sure that they make enough money. That's a real key thing, too. Do mm-hmm. they make enough money? And, oh, are they, oh, are they still employed? <laughs> you know, not only do I, I have them bring their, um, their pay stubs, but I also verify that they're still there. I had one recently, two months ago, Vina, brought the pay stub in. It was from literally like three days before. And I almost thought, I don't need to call. But I said, no, you know, we'd follow our procedure. We always call. Because sometimes it's hard to get them. That's why I like a copy of it anyways. Mm-hmm. But we, we were able to reach the employer, and they had been late, let go that Friday. I mean, literally like that day. That was their last paycheck. Mm-hmm. But they didn't tell me, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, so you do want to verify income. You want to check out their credit. You also want to do a landlord history. If they were, you know, most of them have been tenants before, I, I not only get one 
landlord to check, but I like to check the previous one as well, the current one and the previous one, because the current one could lie just to get rid of them if they're bad and say, oh, they're great, they're great, they're great, you know. But the one before that, it has no, nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. They will be honest with you. So I try to get two and try to reach both of them if I can. So those are the main things. If they've had a landlord-tenant judgment against them, an eviction, if they haven't, I don't want to say it's for sure I would never rent to them. If it was paid, paid in full, and shows paid in full, then I would consider renting to them depending on what happened. Mm-hmm. But if it was not paid, there is absolutely no way I'll rent to them with that as well. Yeah, never, never will I rent to someone who owes another landlord. That's pretty... So that, those are my tenant screening things. Do you have any other ideas what that, you use to screen well, tenants? Well, that last thing you said is a, is a pretty good sign of how seriously they take their obligation to, to, to pay their rent, right? If, they, if they've if they left somebody else uh, without paying, they're probably going to do the same thing to you. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, just one other general... Um, sort of rental policy we have is uh, the final step for us and we do everything that you just said exactly like you just said it but the final step for us is a is a home visit because it has been my experience that whatever this new person's current home looks like is what my home's going to look like in six months so whether they're a a person who's in foreclosure which we're getting a lot of right now or whether they're currently a tenant and are looking to buy their first home if I go look at the property, if I go if I go look at their current home and it's it's reasonably clean and doesn't smell bad and isn't you know damaged and so on, I know that that's what my house is going to look like in six months. If on the other hand there were, you know, thirteen cats and no litter box and nine dogs and holes in the walls and you know dishes undone from six weeks ago and all of that sort of stuff i can pretty much guarantee that that's what my house is going to look like and 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 even if that person did buy which chances are somebody living like that isn't going to uh the house isn't going to praise too well with the that's uh, a really good point I, i do talk about that in my new book about surprise visits and there's different things you can do just you know go over oh you know i forgot to get you to sign this one form I'm really sorry to drop in on you, but I was in the neighborhood anyways. Mm-hmm. I've got a house right across the street or whatever, you know, around the corner. Well, we, we pretty much just tell them we're coming because, as, um, as Jeff Taylor says, Mr. Landlord, um, if, if, if I can call them an hour in advance and they can get the house clean in the time that it takes me to get over there, it oh, wasn't that, that bad. bad. <laughs> That's a very good point. You're, so you're gonna, you're, but when do you tell them that you're going to do a visit? You call them and just say, hey, I, I need to do a home yeah, visit. Yeah, really You've passed hey, the you've passed the, the the entire screening except we've we've got one more step that we always do and that is a home visit and so we need to uh, come over and take a look at the house is now a good time and I, I mean honestly you know they they can't cover up serious damages even in even if they put you off until tomorrow they're not going to be able to patch the holes that they put in the walls if if that is in fact what... right and they're not going to be able to clean up all the dog stuff in the backyard in an hour plus all the stuff inside right or get get rid of all the kids' toys that are laying all over the yard. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, just even when you pull up, you can see also how they're going to keep uh, keep care of the outside of your home. That's a really good indicator as well. Mm-hmm. If you can't get in, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't answer or something, at least drive by, look in the windows. You know, if they say they didn't have a dog and you hear, see the Rottweiler in the backyard, <laughs> they're pretty much lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's, whose dog is that? Oh, it's not mine. Uh-huh, whatever. Okay, so yeah. from we've got a question here from Jay-Z in Arizona. It says, I love the show. To successfully rent to sell my house in this market, do I have to completely upgrade the cosmetics to get a quality buyer? I am so glad you brought that up. I have a whole chapter in my book on that. But but um, not necessarily. Um, for some sellers, they don't have the money, so I kind of go through 
talk about ways you can do some of the stuff for free or low cost or, you know, doing some of the easy things. Like, first of all, just decluttering and cleaning is one of the things that you can do that costs very little. It's mostly to your time. Get rid of most of your stuff out of the house if you still live in it. You know, we think, you know, oh, we don't have that much stuff, but you really do. And they say get like rid of a third of your stuff and get it out of there. A third of the stuff that's on all your countertops, your tables, all of that, it makes it show so much better. It makes it look bigger as well. Mm-hmm. So you can do stuff like that. If there's some things that need to be updated uh, and, they're, and they're too expensive for you to do or that you're not going to get your, the bang for the buck, don't do them. Advertise it as a handyman special. Let your tenant buyer do that work for, for themselves. You know, for instance, if it needs, you know, uh, the living room needs to be painted. You know, tell them that before they come over. Hey, you know, the living room really needs to be painted, and then the carpet in the master bedroom is bad. Other than that, it's in good shape. You know, I'll give you an extra $1,000 credit if you do it yourself or, or 1500 or whatever you want to give them. You can give them credit off that price, or you can make the price lower, mm-hmm. you know, to accommodate that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, be be creative. I mean, for, for some of us, again, the point in all of this is to finish the deal that we set in motion at the beginning, and in that case, we... We knew how much the property was going to sell for. We knew what upgrades we were going to make. We knew how much the rent was going to be, and we bought accordingly. But for the folks who did not buy intending to lease option, maybe they bought to retail or they are a homeowner who bought to um, live there and now just don't anymore, uh, there's there's all sorts of creative ways that you can um, play with the deal. And, and, and as you said, uh, Wendy, the... If if I'm a homeowner and I've been making $3,000 a month payments on an empty house that I moved out of for the last 12 months, I hear that story all the time. I do too. And, and, and I, I, this is so critical right now. People can't afford to do that. Right. And and if I get somebody who, who comes along and says, I'd like to rent to own and I'd like to pay $2,100 a month. A lot better than, th- that's $900 out of their pocket versus three grand plus utilities. Right. And that for a lot of people, that's the difference between foreclosure and keeping their credit. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I hear this from mostly it's real. And I, I work a lot, you know, you know, I work a lot with real estate agents and, and teaching them, you know, also I'm, I'm really going around the country right now teaching agents how to deal with this because it is a completely different mindset for them as well. I mean, they've got to realize that they're not going to get their client, their seller, the three grand just because their seller's payments that it's going to rent for what it's going to rent for. That's it. Mm-hmm. And if this, but the, but it's much better for the seller to be in that nine hundred dollar negative position than that thirty five hundred dollar. Plus, if it's sitting there vacant, what are sellers going through? I mean, they're 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 creating all kinds of things in their mind. Oh gosh, what if no one ever buys it? Is it the wallpaper in that bathroom? Is it the carpet in the kitchen? Kitchen? You know, what is it I've got to do right now? What what else should I be putting in my house? And they're driving themselves crazy because they don't know what's going to sell their house or how long it's going to be on the market. So mm-hmm. it gets rid of all of that pressure as well, mm-hmm. and it makes it much more affordable for them. Very, very true. And we really appreciate you being here with us today, Wendy, and congratulate you on your new book, Rent to Sell. And I uh, want to remind everybody that uh, number one, realliferealestateradio.com is the place to go to become a fan of Real Life Real Estate and to download a hundred real life real estate programs. Also, that the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow night. That's Thursday. The early meeting is with Deb Goss on how to accelerate your mortgage payoff without crimping your budget. The main meeting is our expert panel on how to invest in 2009. All are welcome. CincinnatiRia.com or 859-292-RIA. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.